Well, good morning. This is our fifth week in our series through the book of Exodus. And um, just to want to kind of give us just a little bit of recap, because this is one of the kind of highlight moments throughout the whole series. As this Sunday, or this Sunday, we will talk about the major salvation story of the Old Testament. This is Easter Sunday of the Old Testament, what we're going to talk about today. And so at all the what we've talked about led up to this moment where the people were enslaved, they were battling and struggling with and dealing with sin and the consequences of sin. The people were crying out for God. And through uh, all the things that we talked about the last couple of weeks, all of those chances that God gave the Pharaoh, all of the warnings that happened, it uh, led up to that, that cataclysmic moment last week that we talked about the Passover, where um, uh, the firstborn sons of the Egyptians uh, died. And this uh, leads us to our story today as finally the Pharaoh relents and lets the Israelites go. Well, I want you, before we get into the story, I want you to realize and understand, and I think if you've been here every week, you can probably start to conceptualize this, that this journey to freedom, and that's what it is, the journey to freedom that the Israelites had through slavery, through all the difficulty, through all the years, all the generations, all the pain, all the difficulty that they had, is the salvation story of the nation of Israel. This picture is a mirror, is a type of our story. And that's how the scripture works many times, is prophecy is not just always like telling about things that are gonna happen in the future. There's general principles that kind of flow throughout the story of all of scripture that apply in different ways. And it's clear that the nation of Israel's story is a picture of God's saving work in the world, is a picture of our struggle towards getting and gaining freedom. It's our journey to freedom. And so it's perfectly appropriate for us in our context and our time to kind of put ourselves in the shoes of this nation and see how our life mirrors their life and how we have to kind of press through and persevere and get to that point where we too find freedom from sin, where we too are uh, free from the enslavement that sin causes. And that's how the scripture always works. And as we even saw last week, Jesus, before he goes to the cross, he has and he celebrates the Passover meal with his disciples. And this is what happens next. We know the crucifixion and the resurrection in the New Testament. But this uh, intentionally is the same pattern that happens in the book of Exodus. And this is the salvation story of the book of of Exodus and the Old Testament. And it may be, we, you know, we are New Testament people. We are modern day people. The Easter story is something that we celebrate every year and that's a big deal. But this is a big deal. This is the salvation story of this nation and it gives us a picture of what was to come through the person of Jesus. Um, so let's go ahead and let's get into the story this week. Exodus chapter 13, and um, this is the final major event that leads the nation to full and complete freedom. 
It says this in chapter 13, verse 21. It says, By day and night the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar um, of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Phi-Haroth, between Migdal and the sea. There to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zilphon. Zephon, I don't know. <laughs> Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Let's just take a pause here. And uh, we are so appreciative to our friend Rick, who has been weekly uh, making these little cafe chronicles. Um, I... Uh, won't get into the, all the details of that this week, but it gives us some of the pictures of some of the things that happened and some of the geography around the region and some of the recent discoveries that may give us insight into how this story exactly unfolded. But um, Rick has been working really hard on those and it's been adding so much of a layer to uh, my understanding of it. And so make sure you pick those up. All uh, three copies of version one, version two, version three are on the front desk. But this particular week, Rick talks about kind of the geography of the region where the people are kind of funneled into this place. And it's really the Lord directs them this way. This is a direct, God says, this is the path. There is a clear, the clouds come and lead them in this direction specifically to that spot in order for them to like intentionally go that direction. Now, let's be clear. They're trapped. They're completely trapped, and this is a bad plan, okay? And if they were going on their own, they would have gone probably a different direction and a, and a different way, and they would not have been like just stuck in this spot. But they're trapped, and they're kind of funneled in, and they're funneled in on both sides by the geography, and then they're up against the sea, and that is where God leads them to. And um, that's... The story here in verse 4 tells us why. And this is an important picture and an important theme that runs through the entire book and the entire scripture. But it says, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. You know, you, you would think at this point in time, with all the things that had taken place, that they would know at this point, right? But they haven't yet. In their stubbornness, they still are not quite sure about this and pharaoh in particular thinks you know what i'm gonna still win this battle ultimately but it is there is a point in time where in this event in this moment all of the other forces all the other ideas and competing people competing against god's will will know clearly that god is in control that this plan that doesn't seem to make much sense will demonstrate perfectly that God is in control. And 
This is something that comes up, like I said, over and over in Scripture, is that there's moments in time where we all get caught up in this kind of world where we think, hey, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, like my life will work out better. I can manage my life. I can handle things. I can make things work out so that like I can, I can struggle through the mess, through the storm. And the reality is, that God comes down clearly and says, this will be a picture. This will be clear. No one will doubt at this moment in time. And there's moments in history where God shows up in dramatic, decisive ways to say and clearly communicate, I am in control. And you're not. And that's what it says, is exactly what's taking place here. And so it continues on in verse 5. It says this. Then the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled. Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready, took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt with officers all over them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all the Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them. And they were, um, as they were camped by the sea near Pi-Haroth, opposite of Baal-Zephon. So as Pharaoh approached, the, the Israelites looked up. And, uh, they, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because uh, there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And so we get this picture. And, and it's something that all of us deal with. And there's moments in time that all of us are there. Where they are out there. They're looking around. They're stuck. They're in a spot where they can't go anywhere. And the Egyptians with their massive forces are coming And it looks like this is going to be the end. It looks like in this moment in time, everything led up to this. Maybe there were some interesting things that happened before, miraculous things that led them to this point. But at this point, they look around, and this is a couple of times they've done this so far. They're terrified. They're terrified. And we have these moments. And this is the struggle that each of us have, is that that, that we, we, we look around and we say... We're, we're in trouble. And this is the exact moment, I believe, that sometime in your life you're going to have to face. This is the moment right before you get to freedom. This is the journey part. This is the struggle part where you have to go through that moment where it is fearful. Things are out of control. There is no answer. And everything around you is a mess. Because I don't know why, but 
it, maybe it's our, our stubbornness. Maybe we are a little like the Pharaoh or the, or the Israelites where we just consistently time and time again come to the same place where we just rely on our own strength. We think we have it all under control. We think that maybe we don't need God in those moments in time. And he shows up over and over and says, no, you don't have this under control. You, you cannot handle this on your own. And so there's this moment of fear. And there's this moment of desperation. And there's this moment of doubt um, that all of us can relate to. And maybe it's right even before that moment of salvation where it's like, this doesn't seem like it's going to work out rock bottom moment in time. And guess what? This is exactly what the Israelites needed. This is the exact moment that was necessary for them to truly find freedom and understand what God was doing. I don't know in our culture, in our world, if sometimes we struggle with this because we have relatively easy lives. I've been in places where there was like uh, just incredible desperation. And you would think logically that like places where things are worse off, that they would look to God and say, God, this doesn't make sense. And why is my world like this? Why is it so difficult? You would think that people who deal with some of the most difficult uh, times and eras, difficult uh, difficulties that are all around them, that they would run away from God because of the negativity of the world they live in. And really, that isn't the case. And it's interesting, something that Jesus even points out in the New Testament, is he talks about some people... After he had an encounter with a, the rich young ruler, the, the person that had a lot to give up, when he came to him, he said, Jesus, what should I do to really follow you? He said, love God, love your neighbor. And he said, what else can I do? I do that. How about you sell all your possessions and follow me? Jesus wasn't giving a, giving a prescriptive for everyone at all time. He was putting, it, putting them to the test in that moment. He was saying, what, what do you really rely on? Is it your money? Is it your is it your status? Is it your success? Is it your own ability and strength? What is it you really rely on? If you really trust me, give it all up. Give it all away. And the man went away sad. And Jesus said in that moment, he was reflecting with his disciples, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Those should be words that trouble us. Those should be words in our time and in our era that trouble us a little bit. Because this is our world, okay? Uh, of course, there's differing degrees, and we look to whoever has a little bit more than us. But this is us, living in relatively peaceful times with more wealth and technology and things in abundance than any other people in the history of the world. And Jesus says, it's hard for people like that to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because their needs are taken care of. Things are okay. They're kind of managing on their own, and they don't look to God. And the nation of Israel in this moment had nothing. They were hemmed in. They were in trouble. And the fate that they seemed like they were coming up against was, they're all going to be wiped out. They knew what the Pharaoh was like. They knew the Pharaoh was uh, ruthless and it's in this moment in time this is this is the struggle that they're in 
And this is like kind of uh, the struggle that they've been going through for 400 years. And can you imagine the end of that story just being them wiped out? And this is what, where God brings them. It, it, it's a really unusual and difficult picture for us to grasp. That, that, that this world, many times, it will take us to that moment for us to get it. But if you, if you remember last week, we talked about all of this is just a blink of an eye. All of this world is a small piece of the ultimate picture which God has in store for eternity. If we can look at it in that perspective, we start to realize God, God is trying to get us somewhere and we stubbornly refuse to listen time and time and time and time again. And this is the journey they had to go through. And this is the moment that they had to be in in order to get it. And this is what God says he's doing. And so this is the response in verse 13. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And so again, we see this is the response. It is in this moment in time that you will get it, that it will all become clear. And we have seen the story. Maybe you've seen depictions in movies and different things. You saw Charlton Heston with his hairy chest, let my people go. And, you know, the waters parted and all these different things. And um, that's what I used to always love whenever uh, we talked about. I, I saw that movie when I was a kid, and I just always thought it was so cheesy and things. And so whenever, like, uh, this story was read, that's the first thing that pops into my mind is Charlton Heston, let my people go, you know, and it's just kind of this, this image. But you see what, I mean, the, the dramatic event that the, that the waters part, they walk through on dry ground, the waters crash down and destroy the stubborn uh, Egyptians that are still pursuing. They still don't get it. And it's, it's over. And it's washed away. And it's cataclysmically washed out. There's so many pictures that we're seeing here. And, and we have to understand and we have to grapple with the fact that this is a major event in Scripture that happens a couple of times over and over and is a picture of it what is to come. This is a picture and a type of God's story in human history. Is that we see earlier in the Scripture story... The story of Noah, where the waters wash away all of the sin, and there is salvation on the boat. We see in this scripture, where sin gets to a fever pitch moment, and they will not relent, and it is washed away, and the people are saved. 
in, in the New Testament, the, the, the sin is reaching this high moment. And Jesus shows up and he, re, he rose again. And to identify with that, we put ourselves down into the water and back up again to say that water has washed away all the sin that affects us in our world. And the Bible points to a day in the future where there will be an end to sin. There will be an end to the chaos in this world where God will come and will judge everyone in this world. And there will be a passing away of this time and in this era. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And everything that was will be washed away. And it will be purified. And it will be made whole. And this is over and over the picture that we get. Sin is destructive. God is patient. God gives opportunity for people to relent. But there's a moment in time where he says, enough is enough. It's over. I've given you a chance. But sin will not rule. And sin will not uh, just like injustice will not continue forever and ever and ever. There will be a moment in time where I put a stop to it and there will be no more. And this is the pattern throughout the scripture and throughout history. And so it's gone and it's washed away and it's a picture of what God is doing. But see some of the wording that is used, some of the things that are really important to us. First of all, don't be afraid. And I think that's an important thing for us to realize because these are two competing emotions that will guide our lives. Is it fear or faith? Is it, are we going to be, you know, like terrified by all the things around us? Are we going to be caught up in this world of sin? Are we going to be caught up with things that are beyond our control that sometimes cause us pain? Or are we going to trust that God ultimately is in control of all of this? And it says, don't fear. Because there will be salvation that comes. And then it says this. Do not, uh, in verse 13, do not be afraid, stand firm, you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, will never, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Evil, which in this story is depicted through the nation, uh, the Egyptian people, will be wiped away. And here's what you need to do. Did you catch the action that the Israelites do in this moment in time? It says, be still. Be completely still. Don't do anything. Do you understand that this is what you need to do in this moment in time? And I think this is something all of us have to grasp and and realize. Is that you can't. Do anything. It has to be a work of God. That your salvation, where does your salvation come? Does it come from your prayers? Does it come from your holiness? Does it come from your service? Does it come from all of the good things that you've done over the course of your life? Your attendance here at church on Father's Day, your well wishes to other people, all of these wonderful things. Is that where you put your trust? No, it's in complete and total stillness. Completely allowing God to do what only God can do. And so that's what the, the, 
They needed to realize in this moment that this is beyond you. And your salvation only comes from God. And this is, the wor- this is the story that is playing out. Are you open to that? Are you willing to accept this huge truth in the world that you just need to be still and trust in God? And that's what happens next. The storm comes, or they go through, and it washes away uh, the, the nation of Egypt. The response is here in verse 19. The angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud, and actually this is um, part of the rest of the story. I already gave it away. I'm sorry. Um, I got ahead of myself a tad bit. Um, Verse 19. The pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them, coming between the enemies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither, um, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them. All of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the Egyptian army. And threw them into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver. He is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. They realized in this moment, for maybe the first time fully, that They put their trust in God. That when the moment seemed the worst, this is when God came through. It's a sad and difficult and tragic story that all of us have to come to grips with. Is that this is the world that we live in. Full of sin. Full of destruction. Full of death. This is the world that we're in. And there will be a moment in time 
where God's salvation will put an end to it all. He says, be still. Trust me. Are you, are you willing to put your faith in me? And after the Israelites walk through, they do what is only appropriate in this time, is they sing songs to God. He's mighty. He is exalted. He is my salvation. And it's in God I will put my trust. There will be a moment in time where we stand before the God of the universe in eternity and we sing songs like this. You see the picture? And this is, this is how the Bible concludes is with images and pictures of us in eternity finally getting it. Finally, all the other things that seem cloudy and confusing and all the fear that, that like clouds us and all the doubts and all this sin that is like getting in the way of us understanding what God is doing in the world will be wiped away and it will be clear what God has, is doing. And people will, be, will do nothing but praise and finally understand when all of it is washed away. This is what God is doing in our world. And this story seems so otherworldly and so different, but this really is the picture of our story towards freedom. Will we be filled with fear? Will we be afraid? Will we consistently be stubborn and relent and try to fight against God? Can you imagine the gall it takes to do that? Or will we be still and say, God, I trust you? Will we be still and find our salvation? Will we follow God? Will we allow him to do what he's doing in this world and trust him even when it's getting dicey and difficult and the storms are all around us? I want to take a moment to just reflect and to pray. And we've had moments like this before where we take time to confess our sins, to renew our commitment to God. But, you know, I want to reflect on it from this salvation story that is a little different from maybe the salvation stories that we talk about most often. And realize there's something bigger going on in our world. That sin will be wiped out. And there will be a moment in time where God puts an end to it all. Will you pray with me? God, it is hard and difficult to read through these stories and come to the realization That our world is just destructive and sinful and in trouble. God, as we relate it to our time and day, as we look around our world and see the pain, the suffering, the difficulty that people are going through, God, help us to be humbled. Help us to realize that that you have an ultimate pain in the struggle that the world is going through right now. 
God, our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world who are, who are suffering, who are crying out to you, who are enslaved, who are in pain, who are fearful. Encourage their hearts, I pray. God, for us who have life that has relative ease, awaken us. Shake us out of our slumber. Help us to realize and recognize the destruction of sin and realize our need for you. God, help us to be still and to know you are the Lord. And so God, again, I just come to you and I confess my sins to you. I confess my fear. I confess the times that I don't rely on you. I confess the times that I rely on my own strength and trust myself, God. I confess all of the times where I'm, I'm worried about things that you're not worried about. God, help me. And it's a pain and it's struggle that we're on this road to freedom and it hasn't come yet. So God, help us to understand. Help us to be patient. As we wait for your ultimate salvation to come. Here are the words that Moses gave the people and gives to us. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you. The Lord will fight for you. And you only need to be still.